Hello and welcome to episode 5 of the Scottish Liberty Podcast. It is the 30th of June 2016. I'm Anthony Samroff and this is my co-host. Tom Laird. I guess there's been a lot in the news this week. So, what's on the cards today? Well, obviously there's the post-Brexit bullshit that's going on. Everything from, you know, the economy's going to be in ruins to, oh God, I can't believe we're so racist. You name it, they're still at it. You know, they're showing videos now and pictures. Suddenly they're digging up pictures of people being racist everywhere. I don't think people are any more anti-foreigner than what they were before the Brexit result. I just think a lot of these things are coming to the fore and uh, there's the depressive season on them. Well, here's the thing. I'm very sorry to say that I think there's a large contingent of people who are consciously or unconsciously relishing every little bit of bad news regarding Brexit, regarding the state of the economy, because it makes them right. Mm. Oh, look, this has happened. Oh, look, they're they're collecting pictures of... Racist graffiti. And tweets on Twitter, and any video of someone saying or doing something racist... These are being collected by people who relish every single one of them. Do you think that among these people, especially in Scotland, you have a lot of people who voted for a breakaway for the UK? Okay. Now, I have absolutely no doubt that out there somewhere, you know, living in a frigging cave in, you know, the Highlands, there could be like a, a, a mad Scottish guy with a claymore shouting was like his damn few narodid and spouting anti-English bile. Does that mean that every single person or even a majority or even a sizable minority of the people who voted to break away from the UK are automatically anti-English bigots? Are they so are they sick of being associated with anti I mean there, there's got to be some out there. I'm, I'm well, not- I have to say being a member of Facebook there's not been a shortage of anti-English bigotry yeah. on the news feed. And what's more, which, by the way, I find deplorable, I hate anti-English bigotry, I hate bigotry of all kinds. I think you should just be married to one woman there's, and that's it. <laughs> there's, <laughs> <laughs> there's things going around about old people since the majority of people who voted out were of the older generation, should old people be afforded the vote? I mean... <laughs> Are they that dithery? They don't know what they're doing? Is that what, is that what we're trying well, to... I mean, this is what you're getting at here, Mr. Samuel. Be that. careful, I'm 49 years young myself, okay? Well, in, according to some of these people, in 11 years you should lose the right to vote. Now, if there was ever an argument for that, I mean, I guess you could have pointed to the fact that it was mostly old people who supported the invasion of Iraq or the fact that we've got a pension system where we're actually paying off the pensions of people who overspent in their lifetime and received more in public services. And overlived, outstayed their welcome. Is this what we're trying to say here? Certainly not what I'm saying, but I think the incentives that have been in place have encourage the great power. generation not to... It's great power, basically. Is this what we're talking about? I don't know what great power is. It just means that there's a sizable amount of old people. And old people aren't doing us the, the favour of dying off the way they used to. Uh, I'm, not, I'm, I'm not saying this. This is, this is kind of... The, so there's a sizable amount of people who are not working anymore. They're not contributing in terms of finances. And yet 
they have a huge amount of sway with right. government. Uh, this, this, is, this is what people say. I don't, I don't necessarily buy it. But here's the, the crux. Where does it go? Okay. Now, first of all, we're saying that you're old enough to decide the destiny of a nation in Scotland at 16 years old. Okay. You're not old enough to have a drink at your own wedding at that age. Right, or see a porny movie, or, or or sexed, right? You can't do all that, but you can decide the destiny of a nation. Okay, fine, they've decided that. But where where do we go? Do do I? Does somebody decide then? Okay, I think that um, if you're unemployed, mm-hmm. you shouldn't be able to vote. Peter Schiff's late father, yeah, Arwen Schiff, who wrote the book How an Economy Goes and Why It Doesn't, uh, which is a great introduction to economics believe that you should have to be paying into the system to have a choice on how that system's run. Okay. What I would say is... Regardless of whether you're young, old, old whatever. What I would like to say is, well, I mean, what about the unborn? Shouldn't they have a vote since the fashionable thing to do seems to be to sell them into debt slavery by spending more in the here and now than we are receiving in taxes year after year and it's mostly this generation, this grey generation. I'm sure lots of them weren't for excessive government spending, yeah. but on the whole, the money that they're being paid out in benefits, healthcare and things like that, which they say they've paid into the system, was already being spent at the time they were paying it into yeah. the system. So it's not a case of these people are all too old and should go away and bugger off. It's more a case of in their lifetime, they've taken out more than they've put in, broadly speaking. I don't know what the solution to that is. Well, I don't know if that's true. I mean, okay. if it, I mean, if you're, certainly from my parents' generation, most of them worked, you know, since they left school. Like my parents left school at 16. Okay, my mother was a housewife, so, but my dad certainly worked almost every day, you know, of, of, of his life, you know, and, and put in to the system a lot that way. And I think a lot of the people in his generation did, you know. So, and, and you know, they were robbed, let's face it, by the government up to a third of their wages taken away from them on the promise that they would be taken care of in their old age. So... Uh, I kind of, I kind of sympathise with the coffin dodgers here. I've got to say. Well, I'm, I, I sympathise with them as well. One <laughs> thing that I don't want to see is, I don't want to see anyone destitute. The thing is, it does present a problem because the money they were supposedly paying in on the promise of getting it later yeah. was paid into a Ponzi scheme. Yeah. And it was being spent at the time when they were alive, and they never turned around and said, "Wait a minute, this is fucked up." The yeah. government is actually spending more than it's taxing. So, yeah, I mean, the coffin dodgers, as you Some said... Some of them may have, though, you know. I know, well, I mean, yeah. you know, my dad was a conservative and he wasn't for big spending. Or yeah. What I simply mean to say is that, and I am an individualist, so I'm not really into collective guilt, but the generation as a whole has spent more in tax money and will over the course of their lives yeah. on average spend far more in yeah. terms of public services than yeah. they have ever paid into the system. Generation whole. That's what we could call them actually. <laughs> so the what's the solution? Well the solution is, you know, we need to start balancing a budget. Personally I don't think that old people should have the vote. 
I don't think that anyone should have them. Well, this is, this is what I was I going to say. Both as libertarians here, slightly on a different note, even if you could call me a constitutionalist and call you, you know, an ANCAP, an right? I'm a voluntarist. Right, voluntarist, stroke ANCAP, whatever. But we both agree that certainly, at the very least, democracy has limitations. Mm-hmm. Um, and for me, it should, it should at least be constrained with the constitution that says that my individual rights should be upheld at all costs. In other words, no matter what government gets in, they cannot violate my individual rights. If that's at least guaranteed in the Constitution, then, you know, in theory, at least you should be able to limit the damage that government can do. I mean, it it shouldn't be allowed to take my earnings for a start um, because that's a violation of my personal property rights. However, I'm sure someone like yourself would point out America had a constitution, cast iron constitution, in order to cage the beast of state, and it didn't take very long for that to unravel, for presidents to to just make executive orders to circumvent the the constitution. So there's a whole other uh, argument there. There's a whole, you know, save that shit for another show. But non-democracy, just just to back this up, what's really uh, getting a weed up my ass right now, what's really burning my toast, is the people who cry and shout them, stamp their feet the most about democracy consistently, consistently are the ones who cry into their soup when democracy throws up a result that they don't like. And this is a good example. In a democratic process, the majority of people within the UK and the SNP, I'm sorry to tell you this, guys, you gave credence to this being a United Kingdom-wide vote you legitimised it, A, by taking part, by sending all your MPs down to Westminster. What you should have done, a Sinn Féin, and said, we don't recognise Westminster, we're not sending our MPs down there. But you did, so you gave the, the UK government legitimacy. And you campaigned in England on a Remain vote, so you gave it legitimacy again. So there's no point in trying to regulate it now. Bottom line, the majority of people in the UK voted for Brexit. Now online, you've got all these crying, whinging, lefty, virtue-signalling twats greeting into their soup about how it's terrible, you know, um, democracy, this is a, this is a, no, this is democracy, this is what happens in a democracy, you get what you do not watch sometimes, and it's always the people who shout the most about democracy, who moan the most when it throws up something, and demand another election until they get their way. When Jörg Haider won with the Freedom Party in Austria way back and, and got into power in Austria, suddenly people didn't like democracy. When Hamas got into power in, uh, in the West Bank, suddenly a lot of people uh, on the, on such should we say, the conservative right, suddenly didn't like democracy too much. You know, we, we went over to Iraq to give them democracy. We went to Afghanistan to give them democracy. But as soon as democracy throws up something that we yeah. don't like, then suddenly democracy's shit. Well, this is what you find. I mean, I've said before, I don't really believe that anyone believes in democracy. I mean, I'm sure some people do. But what, for example lefty in America would say well do you know what if the majority of people are against abortion well I don't agree with it but that's what the majority says so let's uh, let's ban it or on the other side what conservative would say well do you know what 
the majority of people are for yeah. the legalization of abortion. I don't agree with it personally, but that's what the majority says. Yeah. They don't really believe in it. No. In fact, they actively try and subvert it. I was speaking to a liberal, as they call them, in America about why I thought it was important to have states' rights or, you know, wouldn't it be cool if that big right-wing centre of America could just break off and become a separate country and you could have a big liberal arc over the top. You know, the Republican states could be their own country and maybe everyone could get what they want. And he said, no, it was good because the Democrats balanced out the religious right and stop them from passing the laws that they want yeah. in their own states because they are not left liberal. And that just goes to show people's disdain and disrespect for democracy. That's an average viewpoint, which is, no, we, we can't let them live the way that they want and pass their laws. And do you know why no one believes in democracy? Because democracy is ridiculous. If you, me, and the listener... Yeah shared a flat together, yeah. you and I could vote and the listener would have to clean the kitchen every night to hoover the hallway every buy night, the groceries. buy the groceries, do our beds for us. Yeah. As Jefferson put it, democracy is two wolves and a sheep voting over what's for dinner. Yeah, and is liberty it? is the well-armed lamb contesting the result. <laughs> right. Well, there you go. Democracy is ridiculous, which is why no one really believes in it and why if you want something resembling what you, you think democracy is about, then at least you should be for a constitutional republic. It's a handy way of electing representatives, but it's not a very good way of taking care of policy, as far as I'm concerned. Can I, can I maybe suggest in future so that we don't confuse uh, when we're talking about liberals in America, can I, could we just maybe use the good old-fashioned commie pinko fag subversive? <laughs> 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 well, I'm, Just, not, <laughs> I'm not sure he's that far on the left. Okay, right, okay. Right. So what struck me as particularly interesting is the way the left, and they are very prominent at the moment in the debate, and it's interesting to me the extent to which the left have suddenly become interested in the markets, right? Go on. Overnight. Overnight. Suddenly everybody's a, a, you know, they've went from Keynesianism to, to suddenly everybody's a Hayek. Right. Disciple. First thing being, oh look, the pound has come crashing down. I know. It has taken a tanking. The interesting thing is, the government, via the Bank of England, yeah. has been printing billions of pounds. Yeah. And it's kept the interest rates at near zero for eight years. But now all of a sudden, everyone's concerned about the value of the pound. Yeah. Where the fuck did that come from? <laughs> right out of life field. Why weren't these people saying, if these people really care about the value of the pound, why haven't they said anything about the government printing money and making the interest rates so low? Is it just because they didn't want a Brexit victory? And well, anything, every single thing that goes wrong now, be it freak weather conditions, you know, or, or an invasion from outer space, you name it, anything that could remotely go wrong now will be blamed on Brexit. There's probably companies out there right now who have been dying to shed workers and they didn't want to do it because the political climate wasn't right. And this could be a gift for them because they go, okay, I'll get rid of workers. And instead of me just being getting rid of workers because I want to increase my profits and cut my losses, 
I'll just blame Brexit. You know, this is this is because see what happens. You know, this is because we left Europe. Uh, there's a lot of that going to be going on. So the pound having dropped. I mean, what does that actually mean? <laughs> it's it's okay for anyone doing business outside the UK because anything that we sell, anything that we export, is going to be cheaper for other people to buy. Yeah. So from that perspective, it's maybe positive for some people. I'm not sure if what we're going to do is see an increase in prices on our shop because a lot of our fruit and vegetables come from abroad. It does mean that if anyone wants to visit here for a holiday, it's going to be be easier for them to do that. Mm -hmm. It's also going to be more expensive for people here to go on holiday abroad. The upshot is it's not the end of the world if the currency tanks. And it's not necessarily going to be fantastic if the currency bounces upwards because these have self-correcting mechanisms built into them. Hmm. But providing the currency is not fiat, though. That's, well, I mean, that's the thing. You've got a lot more to fear from the government continuing to print money yeah. than from a drop in currency, in the value of the currency, because of market anticipations. Yeah. Which is a lot of people bet or put put options or invested as though it was going to be a remain result. Mm-hmm. A lot of people went out with that assumption. Now, because that didn't. Glad you brought that up. <laughs> now, because that. <laughs> now, because that didn't. Pan... <laughs> now, because that didn't pan out. See how fun economics can be? (laughs) (laughs) No, because that didn't pan out. You're talking about this again. (laughs) That's three times you said that, dude. (laughs) No, because because that didn't pan out, the market's correcting itself, which is why the FTSE has fallen. Although... It's come back already. Yeah, it's rallying. where it yeah. is, yeah. just before before Brexit. It's only because expectations that haven't been met, which is that funny things are going around in the economy, it's not a sign that things are gone badly. Now, one thing I want to talk about on a related subject is trade deals, which has yeah. been in the news yeah. because Nick Clegg put out an argument saying something about, oh, look, we don't have enough negotiators. Sorry to interrupt your scheduled program, but there was a great story in the Telegraph about how New Zealand has offered its top trade negotiators to the United Kingdom, relieving the British civil service as it prepares for the strain of seeking new deals with countries across the globe. The Telegraph adds... Wellington's Olive Branch came alongside an offer to discuss a trade agreement with the UK which would help Britain get out of the starting blocks and begin replacing the trade access lost as a result of the Brexit vote. You see, how good is the market? Where there's a need, the market will provide it. We simply made an offer that we as a country that is a long-standing friend stands ready to be useful in any way we can be, Mr McCulley said. The foreign... What the fuck? Who turns up at this time? That's Mr. McCulley. He's here with his trade advisors already. And now to return to your normal programme. Because the EU has been negotiating on our behalf for 40 years. Yeah. 
And as a consequence, the government's unprepared. Well, first of all, it's not the Brexiteers' fault that the government isn't prepared. It's their job to be prepared. That only goes to show the extent to which the powers that be who don't want us to leave the European Union might be deliberately poisoning the well to make this look like a disaster, right? Yeah. Second of all, the EU have done such a great job of negotiating trade deals for us that after eight or nine years of trying to negotiate a trade deal with India, who, by the way, are English-speaking for commercial purposes... Yeah. They shelved it because some Italian tomato farmers or, you know, yeah. don't want to compete with India. There's no nation in the world that could benefit more from a trade deal with India yeah. than we can. But yeah. we can't because it's not in the interests of the Italians or the French or someone yeah. else. That's got nothing to do with us. just this massively protectionist organization that is the Exactly. EU. So if the Italians don't want a trade deal with India... That's their business. Yeah. We don't have a trade deal with Australia, right? Yeah. And now we're being told we don't have enough trade negotiators and that trade deals by international standards are hundreds of pages long and can take decades, hmm. which is also a load of bullshit. Yeah. Because a trade deal should be two sentences long. Yeah. Do you want to trade? Yeah, okay, yeah. End of story, yeah. right? So well, even what, this... What, what business is it of government to make trade deals anyway? anyway? Trade deals should be between two private entities, whether it be two individuals, two businesses, two corporations. That's who, that's who should make trade deals. Why in this day and age? I mean, people say, oh, the tariffs. Who, why have we got tariffs anyway? You know, this is, a, this, is, this is what cracks me up as well. Why we do not need? It's like saying you need to be married to have sex. You know, you do. Why do you need to be part of this institution to get? You know, it's, it's a whole lot of bullshit just to get one thing. So we don't need to be part of the EU to have trade deals. Just and make we shouldn't them. even need the UK. No, we don't even need the government. Deals, yeah. Which is the biggest load of shit either, this false dichotomy of either the EU should be brokering our trade deals or Westminster, and next thing we'll hear is, oh, you know, Hollywood should be brokering our trade deals. If you have something to sell and someone else has something to buy, that's between the two of you. I don't care if they're in Africa, China, yeah. Italy, India, or Australia. It's got none of the government's business, and the fact that governments have been interfering has been an absolute disaster for the poorest countries in the world who are most in need of British pounds for whatever they want yeah. to sell. So that's all I've got to say on well, trade didn't, deals. Didn't Bastiat nail this shit to the floor? Frederick Bastiat, writing in 1848-1849, destroyed protectionism as an ideology. Yeah. Every time you put up a tariff to protect the farmers in your country, you're making it more expensive for people in this country to buy food. Now, yes, you might be protecting those farmers, but since everyone in the country apart from those farmers has to admit a lower standard of living, that's a little bit less money in their pocket to spend on other things other than food, which they would get from buying things cheaper. It's really astonishing that people think it's normal 
to turn around and say, you two can't trade without giving me, the government, money. Yeah. What's it got to do with the government? I mean, imagine I try to sell you the remnants of this cup of tea. Someone jumps in the window and says, right, halt right there. You're not allowed to sell him that without giving me a cup. Yeah. It's barbaric. It's yeah. a mafia. Of course it's it nonsense. is. Did you see there was a couple of thousand people in Holyrood Park uh, yesterday, I think it was, uh, demonstrating against Brexit, you know, Scottish people uh, demonstrating. And I don't, at what point did Scottish people become idiots? When as a nation did we become economically illiterate? Was there any point in history? Between because, Adam Smith. Yeah, yeah, because we, we used to produce great thinkers, great inventors, innovators, writers, artists, uh, educators. As a nation, you know, we, we, we did that. We contributed, as a small nation of people, we contributed so much to the world. And yet, at what point did we become stupefied where we are terrified? We are absolutely terrified of the word independence. The SNP have been banging on about independence for 40 years. Now they've shown their true colours. Nicola Sturgeon ran away in Brussels the other day, pissing her knickers, terrified that Scotland's going to have to be independent. You know, she's over there doing her little song and dance routine. Oh, we're not like the English. This is apparently what it means to be Scottish. It defines us, the fact that we're not English. We're not like the nasty English. We like you. Please like us back and please don't leave us on our own. Why are we terrified of that as a nation? Why is she terrified of it? It's, it makes no sense to me. Do you know what I think is going on here as well with Scotland? England. Right? Our old enemy, England, the nation that we use to pin everything, all our ails and all our travails, we pin it on England. And yet, when England, when John Bull got the vote, when John Bull got a choice for independence or to stay part of Europe, John Bull decided to vote for independence. He didn't fuck about. We got that choice and we shat it as a nation. We absolutely shat it. And John Bull stood up and went, you know what, I've got a choice to be independent. I'm going to take it. And they showed us what to do. Now I think there's a, there's a load of jealousy there that England has got the balls, right? I'll say it again. England's got the balls to be independent and Scotland are still shiting ourselves about the prospect of having to run our own affairs, make decisions for ourselves, and take care of ourselves. We should really take a long, hard look in the mirror at ourselves as a nation and wonder how we got here. Any thoughts? <laughs> Probably lots. <laughs> I'm not really sure that I can add anything to that. <laughs> and John Bull, good on you. You know, uh, we need a bit of that. I think it's is it the blitz spirit. I don't know what it is. Like, but, you know, they've certainly got something in England that we don't seem to have here in Scotland. You know, a terrifying bunch of nervous Nellies. Every one of you people who went to Holyrood yesterday with your European flags draped around you, you are a bunch of nervous Nellies. I don't know how you found the gumption and the motivation to get out of bed and get out your house in case some. It, you know, something ill befell you. You know, the sky fell on your head. You know, you bunch of Timothy Lumsdens. <laughs> there you go. That's my rant for this week. We're supposed to be the ones that all we care about is self-interest. I'm a libertarian. I'm, I'm 
I'm for free market capitalism, so are you. And yet, the only principled arguments about the EU, about leaving the EU, seem to be coming from the right, and the left are the ones that are coming up with all this economic stuff about how we're going to lose money. As, as you say, suddenly they're madly interested in the economy. So shall we just finish off on something a bit lighter? I don't know if it is. Lighter? Well, I, don't, <laughs> I don't know how, how light fascism can be, but uh, we'll give it a good stab. <laughs> I'm sorry. Let's, let's, um, let's stick it up the flagpole and see who Sieg hails it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I found this news article in the Daily Record today which says... Well, it must be true if it's in the Daily Record, I'll tell you that. Scottish... Sorry, it's really funny. Scottish woman crowned Mrs. Hitler. Sorry. Uh, excuse me, I think I find it's Miss Hitler. In sick pageant run by fascist group, which was branded the ugliest beauty contest ever. So. Well, you know, I, I think it's a, I think that's a good thing. I mean, they're, they're very forward thinking, obviously. Instead of these beauty pageants where you just get beauties in them, they're being really alternative. You know, and they're, they're, you know, they're, they're giving women of, uh, of uh, how would you put it politically correctly? You know? Well, they've got, they're giving women of political incorrect leanings a chance, a shot at the, a shot at the crown. I yeah. mean, you've never heard Miss World go up and when they ask her a question about world peace and uh, had someone going, well, I think that white people should live in a country of just white people and black people, well, they can like have their own country in Africa or something like that. She always says something about world peace, so they're very yeah. equal opportunities, basically. Yeah. Okay. Well, the thing is, we can't see if this girl's hot or not because in the well, picture, she, she kind of right. Okay, she's just got the, a mask over So what we got? This organisation are called National Action. Okay, they're the they're the most recent incarnation. You know, when you go through them all, you know, in the past, you know, there's been we've had National Front, we've had BNP. I personally don't put the EDL necessarily in the same thing, but you get the English Defence League. Uh, well, and now, they might not all be fascist, but no, there are there's certainly an element there. Okay, um, and now this is National Action, and this this seems to be the latest incarnation uh, on on the extreme right. And they have had this beauty pageant and they've crowned a Miss Hitler. Now, we can't see if she's hot because <laughs> so she's because she's bad. wearing, uh, not a mask exactly, but like, you know how you would see on sort of demonstrations, you would see like anarchists wearing like a black, you know, like a bandit's kind of like mask. But she actually, she looks... I'm prepared to believe she's pretty hot. She she looks she looks quite hot, but she's got some fucked up some fucked up ideology. She, as I said, a Scottish woman has won a sick neo-Nazi youth beauty pageant to be named Miss Hitler 2016. Okay, so I don't know if there was a Miss Hitler 2015. I think it's the first year they run it. Okay, but the the organisation says to give our girls a chance to express their beliefs and share their motivations for embracing national socialism, but it has been slammed by the Jewish group, the Board of Deputies of British Jews, who said this is a clear case of inciting racial hatred. It's possibly the ugliest beauty contest ever held. Well, that's a bit unkind, you know. I mean, but it depends what they mean. Do they mean ugly as in nasty or ugly in terms of the aesthetic uh, characteristics of the young ladies who are taking part of it? I don't know. I mean, maybe she was the only entrant. We don't know how many people took part in this. Here's the thing, right? I mean, both of us kind of 
kind of have a dog in this fight. Okay, I mean, I should mention that my, my colleague here, Mr. Samarov, came from a, a Jewish background. Mm -hmm. I myself am not of that position, but I, I, my past, uh, I was involved in the extreme right in my youth. Uh, I know I've disassociated from that a long time ago. I no longer hold those beliefs. But it's interesting that the press, especially, go to town on these kind of things. I don't necessarily think that the right is on the rise any more than it has been in the past. I certainly believe that, just on a serious note, there probably is an increase in, uh, in anti-Semitic attacks, probably is an increase in anti-Semitism generally, uh, and that's an issue. But I, I don't know, this this article just cracked us both, <laughs> just cracked us both but up. It's just because it's really hard to take it seriously. Maybe we're yeah. wrong. Maybe I should be taking this seriously. Maybe especially coming well, from the Jewish household. Well, maybe, maybe. But when she says that Things like, disturbingly, she added, I didn't want to believe that the Jews are the enemy as I was brought up to believe they're very similar to Christians. Eventually, the Jewish propaganda became too obvious to ignore and so I became involved in the NA. Yeah. I just, I find it... I, I, it just says, national action have been slammed before for pushing their propaganda towards youngsters. Right, like no other party pushes the propaganda towards youngsters. They were previously derided for defacing the statue of Nelson Mandela in London with a banana. Right? I don't, it doesn't so, go into details. I don't know where they put the banana. Right. Um, but so there are a bunch of arseholes. Right. Okay. And I don't know if it's bad that I'm laughing at it. Maybe I'm not taking it seriously enough, or that's exactly what we need to do. Well, Martin Luther said, "Laugh at the devil." You know, you cannot abide to be mocked. Although maybe best not to quote an anti-Semite in the context here. In terms of things to really get upset about, I think, you know, whether it's the, the Jewish council or whether it's the rabbi of Great Britain, or there's probably a lot more things. I mean, that, that's, I'll tell you what's more serious. The recent anti-Semitic, it's all died down, but the recent anti-Semitic stuff that's been going on in the Labour Party right. is probably far more serious than this, you know, uh, Miss Hitler pageant. Because it's ridiculous. You know, it's ridiculous. These are people who believe in the Zionist occupational government. You know, if you don't know what the Zionist occupational government is, we don't have a real government. It's a government run by Jews for Jews for their nefarious purposes. You know, uh, it's up there with David Icke and his lizard people, and of course the feminists and their patriarchy. You know, it's the same kind of. Well, that's what I mean. To use a counterexample, is as you mentioned, feminists and patriarchy is the dread or terror, which is relatively new, over the rape joke, Yeah. right? Now, the thing about laughing at something like that is everyone in that room that's laughing is agreeing that it's something that, sh you know, is, is wrong, basically. When you're laughing at it, well, people laugh you're making for it ridiculous. You, you do not laugh out of celebration of rape. You laugh because it's controversial. You're not meant to say those things. It's sick. People laugh. They're laughing because they agree that the joke's sick. It's yeah. not normalizing rape. If anything, it's backing up the idea that rape is not acceptable. Yeah. And in the same way, you know, when you laugh at these people, you're basically saying your views are ridiculous. You yeah. know, where I'm not even going to engage in an argument. Yeah. With your national front views. I'm just... National action. Yeah, national action views. I'm yeah. just... 
I'm just probably the National Front were a bit too Jewish for I, them. It's like Queen Mab at the end of Merlin. I don't know if anyone knows the legend or has seen one of the movies. Basically, she's threatened with everyone's just going to forget about her. Right. And she's going to disappear because okay. she draws her power from the attention. Like most women. <laughs> so everyone's going to forget about the witch and the witch will just disappear. The old ways will die. Yeah. Basically. I mean, we're in a libertarian party. You know, during our, uh, our election campaigns, you know, we were trying to get publicity. You know, we were saying things that were not controversial for the sake of it, but just controversial because we're libertarians. We didn't get an article like that in the Daily Record. Yeah, nothing would have actually given us more publicity. Yeah, you have given these people the oxygen of publicity by producing this article. And people out there who didn't even know that there was a national action. Now, some morons are going to say, oh, I don't know about them, but I'm going to go right out. That bug looks hot. I'm going to go right into that, by the way. So, you know, you've, all you've done is, 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 is acted. As a as a campaign, I'm not saying that the Daily Record shouldn't have done this. They can do what they want. You know, it's a free country. Or it should be a free country. It's a free press. They can print what they want. But if you really wanted to do these people down, just don't give them the the oxygen of of publicity. You know, they've probably got a lot more hideous views than that. To have a Miss Hitler beauty pageant is somewhat ridiculous. I think it's quite funny, <laughs> and and that's it. Yeah, with all due respect to any Jewish people out there who, who are upset about this, thinking you know we shouldn't be laughing at this because it's serious. I agree, it's serious, but there's a lot more serious things to be worried about than uh, these people doing their you know, their Miss Hitler beauty pageant. So with that, with that, don't be a lefty or a righty. Be, be a libertarian. libertarian.